Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. This is not a real podcast. I'm under protest. Sure, we'll get to that. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I always celebrate Glenn's protestations. I know you do, and that makes it really awkward to go anywhere with two of you. <laughs> I protest that there's not ketchup at this table. I support him in this action. Yeah. And then yeah. we never get ketchup. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's we eat at home now. That's fine. Um, we are not joined by regular co-host, uh, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. He is enjoying the superb bowl mm. currently. with uh, Just a people. bowl of things that's really... Amazing. Really ornate. Okay. Oh, so, yes. Well, enjoy it. Yes, he is. Uh, he is with with people at the church and the children and whatnot. So we wish him well with trying to watch something surrounded by high school kids. It's, yes, that's going to be an effort. But Good luck. there you go. We do have a wonderful show to you for you. We got some great questions this week. We will carry on in Lee's absence, but first, I must declare an emergency. Ooh, uh, an emergency. A National Weather Service level emergency. Oh, that yeah. one. We mentioned in the emergency we did for the last Best of show, uh, we were uh, getting ready to go out on a Tuesday into the polar vortex. Yeah. It was colder than it was in Antarctica. Yes. Colder than it was on Mount Everest. Both literally true. For a time, it was colder than it was on Mars. <laughs> there you go. That is a science fact. <laughs> and we talked to you the Sunday after that event, and uh, we didn't die. Yeah. We, we did not die. Uh, we thought we would die. Yeah, we it felt we like would. dying. Prayed for death, the sweet, warm embrace of death. Welcome know. to the bridge! Yeah. Not only did we not die, we had yeah. a full bridge service. Yeah. With a full room. Yeah. People from programs, and mm-hmm. the vans all ran, and yep. a lovely meal was served. And uh, But most importantly, we didn't die. Yeah. That's right. We had uh, our uh, kitchen coordinator, uh, a a uh, total. What do you mean, kitchen captain? Kitchen captain. Yes. Uh, kitchen commandant. Uh, she she has many titles. Yes. Uh, some bestowed upon her, particularly by the Lutherans. Yes. She also could not find the podcast, which is why I'm comfortable making these jokes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But uh, she's a, she's a bridge uh, a, a veteran, a bridge institution. Uh, really interfaces with our host team, runs our kitchen, and is a big part of what makes things go. She celebrated Absolutely. her 80th birthday. Yeah, put on her suede boots. That's right. right. And she got out in that polar vortex. No uh, doubt. Well, one person did not get out in the polar vortex. Mm. That's one of our pastors who was there, and um, right, we've we've had a celebrated history here on the Set Podcast of bringing uh, the nice people, the kind people, the normal people who listen uh, into our litany of griping. Yeah, we explore griping. We consider that to be the main spiritual gift of the people in this podcast. Yeah. So we've brought you gripes giving. Yep, we've got you the prayer of here are gripes, mm-hmm. such things. We'd like to introduce you in the context of the polar vortex. To a new situation. This is this is a, a long-held principle here at Mission USA. Yeah. And uh, Glenn, would you explain the general principle of gripus interruptus? Yes, well, from the Latin. Ah, Indeed. Yes. Uh, gripus interruptus. Gripus interruptus is when you have a big, fat, juicy, delicious gripe. Oh, it's going to be so good. You got it. It's on deck. It's ready to go. I mean, You're it's full of the righteousness of the grape. I'm telling you, it's it's loaded. It's in the chamber. You're ready to rock. It's ready to fire. I mean, this grape. And then you find out 
that the premise of the gripe is no longer what you thought it was. Yeah. So, you know, you come home and you, you, the thing is like, I told you to do the thing. And then they did it, but it just wasn't what you thought. Yeah. And so you had a whole gripe all worked out and then you don't get to execute it. Sure. So you have that inside you. Sure, it just stores yeah. in your liver. Right. So, f- so for example, a great way to deal with a gripus interruptus is when you're mad about something and it turns out you're wrong. Yes. To immediately pivot to another thing. Ah. Yeah, carry the momentum. Just, just like, hey, look over here, you know, sort yeah, of right. a thing. Just quickly pivot. So you keep some things to gripe about in your back pocket sure. for just that occasion. Like a Boy Scout of griping, you must be prepared. You know, well, what about last week? That kind of thing. You're like, well, well, that was last week. We already talked about it. Well, it's back. You know, (laughs) you you don't want to have the the inside of you. Sure, absolutely. Because you got to, you know, sometimes when I get mad about things and it turns out that I'm, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was and I'm wrong and I find that out. Sometimes I ask my wife, can I just yell about it anyway, even though all of it's wrong? Kind of a fantasy camp situation. Yeah. And then she says, yeah, and I said, ah, you ruined it. And yeah. I just go away. So yeah, <laughs> you're really not playing your part. That's Yeah, that's right. So well, that's gripe is interrupted. Absolutely. An important uh, psychological, spiritual concept taken to your life. Yeah. But we bring that up because we are, we had a, a very uh, arch case of gripe is interrupted yes. on the Polar Vortex Day, yeah. which is we had finished our lunch meeting where we talked about our topic. We looked at, we have you know these three pastors coming, and Glenn was preaching our Keeping It Real slot, which is our staff slot. And then it was, uh, so we came down and recorded our, our Bridge Loud radio shows. We're heading back up. I walked in on a, walked into the kitchen here at Glenn and Jane's house where we do all of our, our kind of bridge stuff out of. And Jane was on the receiving end of what I could immediately identify as a pastor is canceling on a Tuesday call. Yeah. So I kept, well, and I, she's on speaker and there's a lot of, well, the Lord just had other plans and I'm so excited and a lot of, you know, it just sounded like churchy nonsense. So hang up, and I've got, because I'm going to have to fill this preaching slot. Right. So I am locked and loaded into this dude, screwed us all, and I've killed my afternoon. And right. Well, what was his excuse? Well, his uh, he, he they have a van, and they have a newer building, so he's actually going around the city picking up homeless people and bringing them to the church so they can stay indoors and not die of exposure. Right. And man, did that gripe get interrupted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a that that's that is a dead on arrival gripe right there. A literal life and death situation. You know what right. people say like you you try to call in sick and your boss tries to go, like this is like a life or death situation. Right. This was and for many people. Yeah, like I'm getting out in the cold. What's his excuse? Well, he's getting out in the cold and rescuing homeless people. Well, okay then. Well, okay. And then you know that's gripus interruptus. Dude. That's right. It's tough. You could get like you could get like a Charlie or something. That's right. Absolutely. You get like the bends or something. Stitch in your side right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it's well, the, and if, you know. if I don't think any do, but if you're a, a person who preaches the bridge who listens to the podcast, uh, the other way uh, gripus interruptus uh, gets expressed, other than you, it's always good to pivot. Yeah. There's also the uh, the theory of taking it out on the next person. Yeah. You don't want to be the next person who cancels their bridge preaching slot. That's yeah. right. Because this is going to come back on you. Because question is going to be: Are you driving around <laughs> picking up vulnerable people so they don't die? Yeah. Because that's the new excuse bar. Right. That's right. If you want to just sail on over that. Right. That's right. 
Yeah, you got to pass it on. That's important. Absolutely. That's normally they say that about good things, but it works really in all directions. Right yeah. forwards. Yeah, right <laughs> very, forwards. Very, very well done. Thank you. So we we did we were a pastor down, which was yep. fine because we wanted to be pretty quick. Yep. At the old bridge service on Tuesday yeah, because yeah. Uh, once the sun went down, the temperature continued to drop. Yeah. We got there. I believe the uh, the the uh, thermometer read about negative two, and the temperature the air t- the feels like was in the negative ten and. That feels like it was negative 20 by the yeah. time we were leaving. Yep. So uh, as in Grand Bridge tradition, we shot fire at it. Yep. We uh, loaded up the fire cannon. Yep. And shot flames at this meeting. Yep. People think maybe that's an exaggeration. Nope. Well, no, we... we Propane tank and all, we shot fire at it. Yeah, and it worked. Absolutely. Uh, I tried to take a picture of Jed where he was uh, working the door there, greeting people uh-huh. as they were coming in. Yeah. And tr- I tried to capture it, couldn't quite do it. Uh, we could see his breath inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. That's pretty cold, dude. Yeah. But we had people there. They were loving it. They were delighted to be there. I put a thing on Facebook there of some of the people singing and stuff. Yeah, and, man. Uh, they, you know, any... We had seven new people. That's right. Yeah. Here's the thing. You want to know what the 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 power of reputation is? Yes. Seven people who've never been there decided, okay, based on what I've heard, I'll go out and feels like 20 below weather just to see what this is. Absolutely. That, that feels pretty good. Uh, That's what you, you know. call the word of mouth. <laughs> yeah. Right there, yeah. working out for us. We only got one vehicle stuck in the snow. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Which pretty is pretty good. good. We uh, we were able to get that out. What we, uh, and the part about that is, you know, you got the, the sideboards. We have yeah. like, you know, 15 passenger vans. And it turns out those uh, pack up with snow pretty quick. Yeah. So we're trying to get this this van out, and we're trying to get everybody quick. Because obviously, you know, you don't want people standing around or even sitting in a in a not moving vehicle for very long. And uh, Lynn's wife Jane has pulled it up, and it's starting to get in the snow. And Jed and some uh, burly, manly, helpful gentlemen from the bridge are going to push this out. But Jane has asked if I could just be the one on the wheel, which I'm happy to do. I run around. I think this is we're all being very heroic, and we're all getting it done. And I go to jump into the open door of this. And my foot flies entirely out from under me, wow. to which I'm holding on only literally my entire body weight by the steering wheel. <laughs> wow. And if you've never heard a van full of people go <gasps> all at once <laughs> as you're hanging off and trying to recover some dignity. Yeah. Not well. Yeah. No, it's... Winters in Chicago at one point or another will totally rob you of your dignity. Oh yeah. 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 Dignity is nowhere to be had. There has to be at least one full wipeout yeah. every year. Yeah. Well, what I had this winter and there's the full wipeout of just like almost like you stepped on a skateboard and yeah. just feet out from under you. Mm-hmm. Uh, rear end over tea kettle on the ground. But then there's in a way there's the more embarrassing I had which is just the multi-stage old man fall. Okay, yeah. Okay. Like the feet, one of the feet goes. Right. And you can't quite get traction with it. Right. And the other one's starting to go. And it's right. like feet down to one knee, but right. still can't get up. Yeah. And then you just kind of turtle all the way over. Right, yeah. And physically less painful than just eating it. But right. psychologically, maybe far, far worse. Yeah. Well, we discovered early in our marriage that uh, one of the things that works out really well is if you have two people on ice, you know, yeah. slippery, uh, if they're holding hands, what can happen is 
the female person, for example, can be slipping because she's not focusing on what she's doing. It's just hypothetical. Just hypothetical. And in the process of going down, pulls on the male person's arm to steady herself, causing herself to be upright. And him to go down. And him to go down. Glenn, are you saying this is some sort of metaphor? This this is a metaphor, and it's also a reason why when it's slippery outside, I grab the back of my wife's coat like a kitten, <laughs> you know, like a mother kitten grabs the back of a kitten's neck. I just hold it up <laughs> above her head, and I don't allow her to touch me. I just hold the back of her jacket. If you think I'm making this up, I am definitely not. You're not taking me down with you again. <laughs> fool me once, shame, shame, shame on me. Fool, fool me twice. Fool me twice. You can't can't be fooled again. Can't be fooled again. So That's, yeah, well, that that saying comes from Texas, where they don't have these problems. <laughs> Absolutely so, right. Know, they do still have that bit of wisdom, and it's that kind of practical, outside of the box thinking that allowed us to make it through both the polar vortex and the gripe interruptus. There you go. Woot. On that victory, I will declare emergency off. Nice. Also in the midst of the polar vortex, we put out an epi- we put out an edition of Bridgebox. Uh-huh. Wow. We didn't let that stop us. I'm not sure how it would have. It comes out over email, so we didn't like, you know, we'd have to send it via Pony Express or anything that would really be be hurt by the weather. But, you know, I, th- I think we still get credit for putting out an episode of Bridgebox in the middle of the of the vortex there. Totally. We were talking. What, Jed, what was our February topic? Our brand new one is How Does Patience Work? There you go. A, ta- a Bridgebox all about patience. You get songs from from Jed, from Lee, from some other uh, friends of ours, get sermons from Glenn and myself, a Bible study, all sorts of good stuff, all around the topic of patience. Maybe, for example, if it's negative 20 degrees outside and you have to be trapped indoors for three days, you're going to need some patience. Uh-huh. And uh, this bridge box is off that. You can check that out for yourself at missionusa.com slash bridge box. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you the ways to get in touch with this, or you can Scroll down into the episode description. The first question comes in anonymously, and it says, So I realize that when I think about myself and my body, I immediately want to avoid the subject and hide. I know that the opposite of a bad idea is a bad idea, winky face emoticon. Mm. But at this point, I don't even know what the middle of the road looks like. Like, I kind of want to be able to be proud of my body and myself, but if, like, if I can get to the stage of being fit and graceful, but I know that pride is a bad thing too, so I'm lost. Thank you for the advice. And Glenn, as the, I think that counts as half, I think the winky face counts as half getting you credit for the opposite of bad idea is not a bad idea. Really? Well, it's more than you normally get, so maybe the, be thankful. So you're saying the part where they didn't at all mention my name after stealing my line is partial credit. Sure. Okay. But given that, and as the innovator of that idea, yeah. Glenn Fitzgerald, yes. Glenn just likes when people say his name. That's right. <laughs> Would you be no, please steal and do not give uh, us credit. We do yeah. not need it. I promise. Absolutely you. not. But uh, why don't you start us off on this one? For sure. I think when we look at body image type stuff, we need to start with looking at uh, some realistic uh, expectations, realistic views of that situation. There's a lot about all of our bodies that we can change, but there's a whole lot that we can't change. And we have to begin to find a way of embracing that. Uh, I can work out 50 hours a week and lift weights and eat protein shakes and all that, 
I'm not going to look like The Rock. That's just not going to happen. I don't have the physique for it. I don't have the muscular structure. I don't have the body for it. All of those kind of things. It's just, it's not in the cards. I can't do anything about my height. I can't do anything about a lot of the basic things, you know, the sound of my voice or any of those things. Uh, so I have to recognize that uh, that while there are some things I can change, I can change my weight, I can change my level of fitness and those things. And I To will, an extent. To an extent. And I'll feel better if I have it in a certain type of control. But I mean, I'll feel better physically. I mean, it'll be just more, have more energy, those kinds of things. Uh, but it's important to move past that and get in touch with your beauty. You're, you don't want to get in touch with your vanity. You're right about that. That's sort of the opposite of the bad body image thing that you're looking at. Those, those are two opposites, and they're both bad ideas. The thing in between is your beauty. Uh, God considers you beautiful. When he looks at you, this is a beautiful person and a beautiful creation of his. And that's, uh, your, you have intrinsic inner beauty because you're made in his image. Uh, you're beautiful to him because he made you. That's, that's, he intended for you to be the way you are, and in his eyes, you are beautiful. But you are also beauty, beautiful in your body for the same reason. You know, he, he, he created your shape and your size and all of those kinds of things. And that is uh, beauty, and you need to be in touch with that. But I think what we're looking for is to take back the way that you see yourself from the world from culture from society from all those things it's reality and let's 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 be honest here it's 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 a reality that a society values certain body types and says this person is beautiful over others that doesn't mean that everyone in that society has that taste i think it's super important to recognize different cultures sort of value certain body types over others or whatever have you but at the end of the day, everybody's got their sense of taste. And there's some, you know, some people like a fit athletic person. Some people like more curves. Some people like this. Some people like that. There's all different kinds of tastes in the world. But we don't get that view from anywhere. We don't have that. That is, that is a reality that is not being impressed upon us. The reality that's being impressed upon us is... If you buy this, you won't be hideous. Oh, oh wow. Can I have two? <laughs> you know, that's, uh, and, and I'm not trying to just bash on the beauty industry stuff and fashion magazines and all that. There's plenty of cool stuff in there. You know, it's, it's, it's great to find, buy a nice outfit that fits your body well and accentuates what you want, and you just feel fun when you wear it and all that. Absolutely. And weirdly enough, it's not uh, in any way unique to things that have to do with your physical appearance, to be marketed that way. That's right. Buy this car and you won't feel hideous. Exactly right. The The whole idea of, of a great deal of the marketing that you're subject to is feel bad about you. Look at you. You suck. You're the worst. You... But wait, there's more. <laughs> That's right. You, you ever notice when you look in the mirror that you're hideous? Well, now there's a solution. <laughs> and you think, wow, gee whiz, Jensen, give me two of those. Uh, and we need to buy into the reality and face the reality 
that that's a hustle. Feel bad about yourself. Give me your money. Then you'll feel good about yourself. That's not something we can allow into our brains. You are beautiful as you are, but that interpretation is needs to not be the world's interpretation that they're imposing on you. It's your decision you make about yourself. I that's absolutely right and a fantastic place to start off. Now, we often on the show talk about the value of going to people who are smarter than you. Yes. Information. Jed has done, done just that. He's gone to someone smarter than him, and I think if we're going to be fair, smarter than all of us. Absolutely. And Jed, what did she have to say? Well, I talked to Hallie, who's my wife, and I read her this question, and I said, what do you think? So here's what she said. The first thing Hallie mentioned is that really balances the whole thing. Uh, and, and just as you're very wisely pointing out in your question, so much of this is trying to get swung back and forth between extremes. And there's not really any peace to be had in either of those extremes. This is, and th- that's really the thing we want for you is we want actual peace. We, we want for you to be able to, to relax and, and enjoy your life and have some peace. And there's, there's no peace in the extremes. So we want to begin with the idea that balance is the whole thing. So on the one hand, completely neglecting everything about yourself. You know, I, I'm not going to pay any attention to anything I eat. I'm not going to pay attention to anything related to fitness. I'm not going to bathe. I'm going to do nothing. That's a bad idea. Um, you, you won't like it. It won't, it won't, this is, is two things. First, it won't give you results that you'll feel good about. It also won't give you peace. Um, well, I personally, I, Jed, I have gone through long seasons of areas of my life where I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to try. Were those your happiest, most carefree times? They super were not. Oh. And that's worth pointing out because that was always the reason that I said, screw it. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to try is I thought peace will be on the other side of that decision. It's not. That's resignation. That's something else. We want actual peace for you. So on the one hand, you've got saying just complete and utter neglect. And on the other hand, you have self-obsession. I'm going to be obsessed with my fitness level. I'm going to be obsessed with the minutia of my beauty regimen. I'm going to be obsessed with every detail of my clothing and fit and finish and the whole thing. There's no peace there either. If you're going to have peace, and again, that's the thing that we want for you. Peace is in the in-between. Peace is the balance that lies between the extremes. The second thing that Hallie pointed out, um, which goes right along with it, is understanding what humility actually means. Um, There's a writer I really like who once uh, said, I don't know if it's original him or not, but he said, to me, humility is peace. And I think there's something deeply profound there. And I think it really, really applies here. Humility, when we talk on this show about humility, true biblical humility is not to have a bad opinion of yourself. That is not humility. Humility is to have an accurate picture of yourself and to accept it. That this is me, good and bad, you know, the the you know the stuff I like, stuff I don't like. Th- this is who I am and I accept that. That actually is a big part of how you get peace and it's a big part of how you get peace in this arena of your life. So a few things on that. The first is we absolutely positively cannot land at a place of true humility, that is self-knowledge and acceptance of what we've come to know through relying on our feelings. We absolutely cannot do that. And in this arena, perhaps more than any other, your feelings will lie to you on this. Your feelings will lie to you about how you look. Your feelings will lie to you about how other people perceive you. So we cannot let our feelings be the arbiter on that. But the other piece of it is that if we can begin to get some self-acceptance going, we will note, just as Glenn said, that there are, A, there are things about me that for sure other people find attractive. 
other people find uh, uh, inviting and comely and endearing and all kinds of good stuff. And that that's a really cool thing. I may not wake up every day and be perfectly in touch with that on an emotional level, but it's true whether I feel that way on a given day or not. You know, I mean, so put it for me. I This has nothing to do with physicality stuff, but I know how to write a song. This is something I objectively know how to do. That's true tomorrow, whether I wake up feeling like a songwriter or not. It just... It just kind of is. Look out for the new book of poetry from Jed. The muses have abandoned me. (laughs) (laughs) But the second thing is that, again, when we get some of that self-knowledge and acceptance going, it takes us to the other thing Glenn said, is that there are some things we can change and there are some things that we can't. Um, We can't change our height. Here's an example thing that we can change. So um, I have, uh, Glenn has described this, this as a clinical term, monkey toes. Okay. Hideous, hideous monkey feet. I have hideous monkey feet. You'd think it not being sandal weather, we'd be spared discussion of Jed's toes, but no such luck, listener. Well, because this is the thing. This is self-knowledge. I grew up in Florida. If it's bearable, I'm wearing sandals. Right. If there's any way the exposed skin of my feet can survive, I'm wearing flip-flops. Yeah. As God intended. Sure. Now, I can't do anything about the monkey toes. I am as the Lord made me. That's right. However, I also have raptor claws on the monkey toes. Absolutely. And that I can do something about. That's also a Jurassic Park sequel I would watch. (laughs) Raptor monkeys. Right. Right. So it's one of these of, of where, you know, I do have hideous, hideous feet, but I can actually cut my toenails. To be clear, don't want to cut my toenails because I'm a cretin. Yes. I'm just not a sophisticated person. And some part of you feels like you could hang from a tree upside down. I'm convinced I could. Sure. Absolutely. I'm monkey sure, strong. If a predator was, right. cha- was chasing him. That's right. But I see about myself there are things that, you know, I'm going to wear flip-flops one way or another. That's that's going to happen. I'm not I'm not going to be foot-shamed into not wearing my flip-flops. Yeah. Um, but there's things about that that I can tweak. I can I can cut my toenails. But there's stuff about that that it is what it is, you know. I I have um, oddly long toes that are what they are. You could also that description sh- is no better. You, I want to be clear. You you here's just another suggestion: shave your toe knuckles. <laughs> Can we get into less anatomically creepily detailed discussion of any of the co-hosts of, of Jed's hideous trotters? Absolutely, this is going to get us put in a different category in iTunes. And I don't care for it. <laughs> but to take it all the way back, here, here's the key thing that we want for you. We want peace. That's, that's the mm-hmm. thing that we want for you. It, it's a good thing to, within reason, present yourself well to the world around you. That's, that's a good thing. There's reasons to do that. You can take it way too far. You can take it uh, neglectfully not even close to far enough. But the key thing we want for you is peace. That's why we're talking about all this is we want you in a place where you can be relaxed and have some peace and some self-acceptance and then actually have some fun with shaping how you present your appearance. I think that's all very, very good stuff. And it it ties into exactly what our friend wrote the question in, which is very smart saying I'm looking for that middle of the road as we would as uh, we would put it. And we stole this from Hallie, uh, the the left and right limits on this, because as, as Glenn points out, going way too far one way in which the world of advertising would want to pull you is, uh, and if you watch sports and a lot of like fitness, Instagram, whatever is all about. If you hate everything about yourself enough, that will be motivation to do better. Yeah. That does not only exist in the physical world. Some of you may have heard sermons with that exact same undercurrent. That's not a healthy way to go. It is totally unhealthy to, 
um, hate everything about yourself and every aspect of yourself. In the same way, I'm not sure it's unhealthy, but it's unrealistic to think I will be rapturously happy with every aspect of some part of my life. Yep. Um, a lot of the middle ground is looks like exactly as Jed's describing there. This is what it is, and it's fine. Yeah. So if there's something that's a little less than fine, we want to tweak that to get it to fine. If there's something that's on the positive side of fine, that's awesome. We want to celebrate that. But a lot of stuff looks like a fairly dispassionate, that's fine. And that is a lot closer to a healthy attitude and a healthy baseline, yeah. certainly, yeah. than a lot of people would have you think. To To be comfortable with something is not to be totally thrilled with every detail of it all the time. We talk a lot about a sustainability and the concept of a dull roar. Yeah. So we all have, as Glenn started us out, everybody has neuroses and issues about uh, themselves and particularly how they look. That's just kind of baked into the human experience. If you can keep that to what we would call a dull roar a lot of the time, which is you say, yes, I am not crazy about X, but can something be done about it? I wish I was taller Short of, you know, getting extra knees installed at great expense to myself. Stacked heels. Ooh. And maybe, uh, you know, a nice treatment on the rack. There's not, no, there's not much you can do about that. You know, I, if there's something of, if there's some, I'm bored of the way I dress and I can go find an affordable new outfit I will look and feel better in. Well, that's something you can do something about. So we can move on on that. But uh, the, the healthy baseline is a lot closer to, it's pretty good than a lot of people would have you believe. And as Jed said, that looks a lot like peace to us, and that's what we want for you. Move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, Okay, so someone I know stole my phone and sold it. The police have found the person, and now they're going to be arrested. But I feel guilty. I want my phone back because I don't really have the money for a new one, but I don't necessarily want someone to go to jail over it. I know we should give people chances, but what does that really mean? Glenn, let me just start us off here. I think it's a, a really good question. And obviously, uh, we record these episodes not exactly when the questions come in. So right. we don't need to get into the, the legalities here because yeah, yeah. it's two weeks on. The justice system has done what it is going to do. Yeah, yeah. And as our, our friend may not know, especially in the United States, they don't need you to press charges for theft. Nope. Right. They find somebody else. They find a person with someone else's property. You may have watched The Law and Order. There's a reason that case is titled The State versus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. XYZ. But I really think it's an in, our friend wrote a very interesting question. This idea of it feels something about this feels unchristian. Yeah. But does that necessarily mean we're doing anything wrong? No. I think the Christian viewpoint on this, and it's it's an important one to, to contemplate, it's an important thing to start with. The Christian viewpoint is if you want grace, you give grace. Mm-hmm. That's uh, absolutely rock-solid cornerstone of the faith, can't get away from it, can't avoid it, can't uh, find exceptions to that. That's what it is. If you want grace, you give grace. Uh, it's important to figure out what that might mean in the context of this situation. And yeah, that doesn't always mean letting someone off scot-free. <clears throat> that's absolutely right. There are... There are uh, uh, it is not a Christian thing to try and shield people from the consequences of their own actions. That becomes an enabling type of behavior. So if you've done something wrong and I try to figure out a way to pay for the consequences of the thing that you've done wrong, 
then I'm I, I'm making it easier for you to keep doing the wrong thing. That's not Christianity. Uh, but if there is a path of forgiveness, uh, if there is a path of finding a way to release this and uh, and and to to model the kind of forgiveness that God shows us, we want to take that at every possible opportunity. There's no no doubts about that. Uh, I don't as as uh, Matt was rightly pointing out, we don't know all the the legalities of your area and. How this works in terms of getting your your phone back, but I think a big, uh, if I can get a, a little bit philosophical with you on it, I think the big problem with a lot of our dilemmas, uh, moral dilemmas, dilemmas of conscious uh, 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 conscience that we face as Christians, is really trying to figure out: is it door number one or door number two? Is it complete forgiveness or, you know, the 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 Hand of Vengeance being wrought upon the earth, and uh, you know, the Hand of Vengeance is a great Jet Li movie. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, in my mind, the the most righteous thing is usually something a little outside the box, creative, uh, a little bit innovative, uh, and it's it takes some time mm-hmm. and thought to get into what that is. But that's where the really hardcore righteousness stuff comes comes out of that if there's a way to talk to a judge about the nature of the situation and express your your whole viewpoint on it i i want my phone back but i actually believe in redemption i believe in forgiveness i want to see something different happen here and i'm going to be mad if it doesn't you know i i want an opportunity for this person to to uh, be redeemed out of this and for this to be a learning experience for everybody involved and i want to be part of that solution and whatever it is, I mean, uh, having a, a, a giving yourself some creativity, giving yourself some latitude to think outside the box, that's often where the really good stuff comes from. Uh, we tend to think that the most Christian response comes out of the strictest interpretation of Bible stuff, and that that just ends up not being true a lot of the time. Uh, the Bible is very uh, uh uh it gives us very clear guidelines but they're obviously not specific you can't say okay if someone steals your iphone we we can't look up the verse of you know somewhere in deuteronomy you get to break his android screen yeah exactly <laughs> there's no hello moses said if it is the seven it yeah. is okay yeah, if it is yeah. the seven s thou must smite him that's right you know the there's not that level of specificity here. Uh, so that means the wrong way to look at that is to say, well, since there's nothing about the iPhone in the Bible, that means it's a free-for-all. I can just condemn anybody I want. Uh, but I think it's almost equally wrong to say, well, the Bible talks about forgiveness, so I just want to apply that willy-nilly in every possible mm-hmm. scenario. Again, as we're saying, you'll get into some enabling if you do that. Uh, but the 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 proper the most righteous response is to look at this and say uh, the Bible's saying stuff about forgiveness. It's saying stuff about giving second chances and redemption and uh, uh, res- restoring people. The New Testament talks about restoring people who who have been lost. And uh, I want to I want to invest in that. I want to get I want to get deeper into this. I want to tease out what are the possibilities here. 
I don't know if that's a thing you can't accomplish here, but that's what I would be looking for in your situation. I think it's a fantastic place to start off. And Jed, I think Glenn ends by get, pointing out something very important there, that there is a gr- it's great to start with that idea of big picture and kind of blue sky thinking and what cool thing could this be and how could this go? But there are also going to be some realities yeah. on this that are can be fairly limiting. Yep. So how do we go from, how do we, given those realities, that it may just be, yeah, you, you could go to a judge and make an impassioned plea, catch wrong judge on the wrong day, they could go, well, nope. that was adorable, guilty. Yeah. Um, how do we maintain some kind of, um, how do we get some kind of emotional closure, maybe the right word, but some kind of satisfaction that we're on the right path and doing the right thing that isn't, and everything works out and no one's mad at anybody? Mm, that's a really, really good question. Well, actually, to tie it back to our last question, um, the thing that we really want for you is peace. Um, and we want that for a lot of reasons. One, it's good for you to have it. God wants it for you. Coming from a place of peace also makes it a lot easier to listen for the Lord's direction um, and to hear his voice and to hear his counsel. And that's really what you need when you're trying to figure out what to do in situations like this. Because as Glenn says, there there are not kind of paint-by-numbers Bible answers on this kind of stuff at all, at all. Um, you are, you're dealing with situations where there's a lot of variables, there's a lot of ins and outs, and you're also, if we're going to be direct about it, you're dealing with systems that are inherently unfair and unjust. Um, you know, at least the American judicial system definitely is. I imagine that is true other places as well. And to do to also wax philosophical, how do you be an honest man in a dishonest world? Very carefully. That's it. Um, you you need a ton of humility. You need a ton of prayer, and you need to take things one thing at a time, recognizing that what made sense for the last situation might be exactly the wrong thing for the next situation based on a couple of little variables being different. One of the things, though, that I would put out there just as food for thought um, is Glenn said that it is actually not a good mission to try and shield people from the consequences of their actions. And he is right about that. And to that end, I think one of the things that Christians really, really struggle with a lot is recognizing that sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. Uh, that, for example, and we're um, this is supposition on top of supposition times 10. So, you know, bear that in mind. But um, this person, they stole your phone and they sold it, right? Uh, and um, at this point, they have, they've committed an illegal action. The police are involved. In most situations, there's not a lot you as a person can do about that. But let's go back in time a couple of years. This isn't the first thing they've stolen. They've stolen other things before this. What difference would it have made if someone caught them in the act of trying to steal something a couple years ago and chewed them out like they'd never been chewed out before? Didn't involve the police, but I mean, just dressed them down. Now, that would seem like an incredibly unkind thing. It it would seem unchristian and uncharitable. But what if that keeps them from stealing in the future where the police do get involved? Uh, all of a sudden, it's it's a different consideration. It's it's a different deal. And that takes us back to what Glenn's saying about looking for door number three, that Christians have a way of saying it's either all justice or it's all forgiveness, and I just need God to kind of tell me which of those to go with. So often the right thing is this 
other deal that doesn't look like that. Um, I know it's true for all of us on this podcast. We've had moments where the truly merciful thing was absolutely chewing someone out with the idea of um, this is hopefully sparing this person from incredibly bad decisions that I won't be able to protect them from in the future, right? But as Christians, we have we have a tendency to not think that way. And of course, to be clear, chewing people out is not always the right move either. Uh, it has to be... I think you just gave the whole audience gripe as interruptus, Jeff. <laughs> it has to have a very, very specific set of... Um, of circumstances for that to even be a consider- and goals. What's up? And goals and goals for it to just even- chewing someone out to make you feel better is never the right move. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It would have to be a very, very specific situation for that to make sense. But I think that kind of leads to the last thing. And I think this is really what gets us in trouble is we've all watched too many movies and we're trying to figure out which kind of movie this story is. Is this the heartwarming tale where, um, you know, uh, a kid sees the error of his ways and I muss his hair and I call him champ and then we go have a, a Sunday together? Is this an episode of Scared Straight where I get in somebody's face and I scream at him for 30 minutes and then they cry and they'll never do it again? What kind of movie are we, are we watching Is here? Is this a cardigan movie or a leather jacket movie? Exactly right. And I think the hard reality is none of this is movies, man. Um, there, there's not a three act structure playing out here. There, there's not defined roles. This is just life. And that again, takes us back to, there aren't easy answers. There aren't simple prescriptions that we can give you. You need humility. You need guidance from the Lord, both through prayer and through his word and through wise counsel from other Christians. And you need to take things one thing at a time. Very, very last point. Very, very briefly, the details on this stuff matter more than we can describe. The details make a huge, huge difference. If you're trying to figure something like this out in your life, whether it's us or somebody else, find somebody who knows something about this stuff and talk to them about the details of the situation so they can help you figure out what makes sense for that specific situation. Absolutely right. I think all what these guys said is spot on. If we want to go to, to the basic basics, and um, we talk a lot on the show about having uh, good goals going into the situation, achievable goals. In this situation, I don't want this person to go to jail because then I'd feel bad. Is not a good goal because it's not one, as we pointed out, you probably have any kind of control over. So if you want to say, I want to do the Christian thing, I want to show the amount of grace, as Glenn very rightly pointed out, then that is how we can apply what the Bible does say about things to your situation. So we know from Matthew 5.21 that if you were holding hate in your heart against this person because they did this, that would be something you shouldn't do. It doesn't sound like that's the case. We know from Romans 12 that if you were plotting revenge against this person, or it must be said, just kind of in your heart seeing, well, they're going to do some jail time as a measure of revenge that you're getting on them. That's not healthy. That's not okay. Doesn't sound like what you're doing. If you were judging them, even though someone stole my phone, there would be a period of judgment we would have to push through. But we know from Matthew 7 that that's not good either. That's all stuff that's going to harm you. It's going to harm any redemptive relationship you could have with this person, as Glenn is pointing out. So with those kind of things in mind, uh, there are it's a good idea to, as Glenn said, the Bible does not say, if a guy steals your iPhone, steps A, B, and C. But it does say, here are some things, the way that you should not react to a situation, a uh, roadmap going forward. But if we can be honest with ourselves, and sometimes being honest with yourselves mean, means giving yourself 
more credit than you currently are. You you not going down and throwing yourself on the mercy of the court and offering to pay this person's bail or whatever. You nothing. It's not that nothing short of that is not being Christian enough. You can look at it, kind of like we were saying in the last question, and have a kind of a a realistic assessment of I'm I'm not being angry. I'm not you know going to testify to press for a longer sentence. I'm I'm not you know bad mouthing this person to everyone around and hoping no one ever talk to them again. It's very possible that you might take that before the Lord and be told, no, that's, that is all good. And that's as much as I want you to do. So you, you Christianed it and we can all move on. But again, that comes down to what are those goals that I can have for a situation and know what I'm doing well. And those almost always have to do with what we would say process instead of outcome. Can't say I want, I want this situation to end this way, or I can't have any peace on it. That's not going to be good, especially when you're involving something really big and complicated, like, like the court system. You say, I can focus on my reactions to things and how I'm comporting myself. You know how to do that. You are doing that. It sounds like to a more extent you're giving credit for. And that's a path to really having some peace about a situation like we've been talking about. We're going to jump to our final question here. It came in anonymously and it says, hello, I have the honor of being a leader at my church. One of the volunteers that I lead has been sick for the past six months. I visit her Pray for her, but her condition just got worse and worse. When I talk to her, I always say that I'll pray for her recovery while knowing that God has the final say. Lately, she's been saying that she's tired of suffering and is ready to go to God and for God to just take her. My take is to let her express those feelings, so I just let her talk without saying the typical stuff about God is going to heal you. I'm wondering if that's the right way to handle things or not. And Glenn, in a... In a a, a episode that may be more full of uh, positivity going in the normal thing. It sounds like this actually is the right thing. Absolutely. It's the right thing. That's uh, a fantastic thing. Uh, people need to express really dark thoughts and mm-hmm. get them out of their system and uh, hear them bounce off the walls and come back to them and realize, eh, I know that's not it, but sometimes you have to express that thing that you feel stuck on in order to get in touch with the fact that this isn't exactly it and this isn't the right idea and the right attitude. Uh, That's an important part of that. Listening to people is a ministry to them. They Mm -hmm. feel ministered to when you take the time to listen to them. Um, So, uh, And that's what we do. When we're ministering to people, I'm listening much more than I am talking. I'm not trying to uh, comment on every little thing and sort of vote it up or down kind of thing. Um, so uh, also here's another thing. Um, follow the instinct that you have on this to avoid the platitudes, you know. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good and all that kind of stuff. Keep that stuff out of the cancer ward, champ. Yeah, that's not the place for that. And the funny thing is when you sit down uh, with someone who's grieving those platitudes are the only thing you can think of to say, you know? And that's a good time to say nothing. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of those platitudes come out of, well, this is better than nothing, and that right. is an incorrect assumption. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, you're, you're better off listening, you're better off... Uh, and I think there's... Uh, uh, let me also say, I think it's it's good and right for you to have the attitude uh, with her of, I want this cancer to go away, this illness to go away, this sickness to go away, whatever it is. And I agree with you on that. We're you and I both, you know, 
whether uh, this fits into God's timing and God's will and what his plans are for this situation, that I don't know. It's not given to me to know that. Uh, and so I'm not coming here to tell you what his timing and his plan is because I don't know that. So I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not, uh, if I don't have an answer for you on it, I'm not going to try and talk like I do. I think that it would be a great attitude. When, when we go in and talk to guys behind bars that are locked up, I tell them, it's my will and my desire that you beat this case and you go home. That's going to be my prayer. If you just want to know where I'm standing on this, I'm with you. I want this to be over. I want you to go home. And that that would happen tomorrow. And that that would happen tomorrow. That's my prayer. So, you know, I think sometimes people just want to know what we want to happen out of that situation in terms of that so that they feel as though they are talking to someone who's on their side and that that sees it the way they see it and you know they can be honest about it but that's very different from i just know that you are going to beat this case right and i'm buying you chicken next week and yeah putting more gas on that it has the opposite of a helpful effect definitely in fact it's really a way of almost dismissing the whole thing Mm -hmm. you know i want you to get out and that's going to be my prayer and okay so we're all on the same page of what we want. We don't know what God wants, and we don't see everything that God sees, and we don't know why God does what he does. We can look back in the rearview mirror and work it out, but we can't work it out in the moment. So given that, how do we make this situation a better situation? Let's just deal with what we got going on here. Um, uh, in, in that sense, I think we're, we're, we're really focusing on transforming attitudes and the way that we handle things that are beyond our control, and trying to find ways of uh, changing that channel. You know, uh, I want to kill myself. I don't blame you. I know exactly what you're saying. I, it, it's you, you. That's fine. Okay. Uh, now that we've gotten that out, let's play some cards. You know, let's change the channel. Let's or let's let's figure out a thing we need to do. Let's get busy doing something. Let's you know. We, we have that time of expressing it. We have that time of praying over it and giving it up to God. Then we have that time of changing that channel, moving forward, getting some, some forward progress on things. I think the, 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 the internal thing that, that you're fighting with, it's, uh, as I hear the tone of your question, there's a, a sense inside of you that comfort is the right thing and listening and being sympathetic and being understanding is good and right and righteous and and holy. There's another part of you that says, I'm not sure this is a theologically correct attitude this woman has. So should I correct her bad theology as she lays there dying? No. Uh, <laughs> that, that voice is not the Holy Spirit trying to give you direction on this situation. Like something more sulfury. Yes, that's right. Uh, it, theological correctness is pretty much never the key thing for dealing with suffering. It's about let's let's not judge our feelings, mm-hmm. uh, whatever they are. We're not we're not. I'm not judging that this feeling that you're expressing to me. I don't want you to judge your own feelings on this. You come by them honestly. It makes sense uh, that you feel this way. But now that we've expressed that, now what comes next? And what do we do moving forward? How do we handle things? That, I think, puts us in the frame of mind of righteousness and and living a more righteous life and having a righteous take on this. 
the attitude of what is theologically correct is about diminishing wrongness. Mm -hmm. And whenever you have a choice between increasing the righteousness on one hand or diminishing the wrongness on the other hand, always increase the righteousness. Because the righteousness pushes out the unrighteousness and the sinfulness and all that. But just having an attitude of being totally theologically correct as you lay there dying, that's not, you haven't achieved anything no. at all. So that, I think that's the focus. Theologically correct as I lay dying is a terrible Christian metal cover band. Absolutely. As I Lay Dying is a metal band. Yeah, like, that's hey, right. That's a new right. metal thing. We've yeah. only been hosting a hard rock radio show for three years at there this point. Go. But, Jen, I think what Glenn is saying is right on there. And I think the it's an interesting thing to have a question from the standpoint of a person who wrote in who was doing the exact right thing. Yeah. But there's that tug of what if it's not? And I think that sure. comes from a couple of places. One, Glenn covered exactly right, which is shouldn't we be doing a, a seven-part study on the Book of Romans so this person is prepared for the great yeah. beyond? But I think the other one is a feeling that I, th I know I've had, and I think we all have of if I leave this situation and this person still seems sad, yeah. does that mean that I, as someone who is trying to minister to them have failed? Right. And I think that's another bit of thinking we need to undo. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, in a sense, this actually goes all the way back to question one tonight of there's things you can change. And there's things you can't change. You're not going to unsad this person. Um, God's not asking you to do that. This person's not asking you to do that. And that would not be a realistic expectation. I think that's a very important point. Sometimes we, as the person who is not sick or behind bars or whatever, have the feeling that what this person most wants is to be super happy yeah. in this moment. And that is often not the case. It's often not the case. And it's often not a possibility. I mean, you know, it, it just it wouldn't be a realistic thing, but I love Matt, what you're saying about, you know, we're, we're supposing what they want. And I think we should get in touch both with what they want and what they need, because that's actually, you're there to be a servant. And that's what servants do is they supply what other people need, right? They don't supply what I as a servant think ought to happen in an ideal world. They supply what this person needs. That's that's the nature of serving. It was a couple of years ago at the bridge. So, you know, we have our weekly worship service and we have a host team that comes in and bring food and shake hands and and, and do that kind of thing. And we had a member of, of a host team that never been there before and they were clearly having a good time. And um, they could not have been from a more different background than the men and women who attend the bridge. I mean, just very, very opposite. And they grabbed one of our staff and explained, you know, this is really wonderful. This is really great. It was, oh, that's... I'm so glad you're enjoying correct. yourself. That's that, yeah, you're correct. That's but I'm glad. I'm so glad you're right. You know, the Lord's had me go through some challenges in my life too, and uh -oh. it just feels like it would help for me to get up on the mic and share about that. So uh, you stopped being correct. I just, <laughs> I just love to do that. Now, there's a lot that's wrong with that. It's it's rude. Almost it's, everything. It, almost everything. It's rude. It's arrogant. It's presumptuous. But this is the key thing is it's actually not oriented towards what the men and women at the bridge need, mm -hmm. right? We don't need you to have brilliant ideas. We actually, we've found pastors who have brilliant ideas. They're, we, we, brilliant ideas are covered. What we need you to do is to push a broom and serve some spaghetti. Yep. That you are in the spaghetti serving division. Uh -huh. And I... I think you'll do smashingly. I think you have all the right stuff. But to be clear, that's not about putting that person down. That's not about demeaning them or diminishing no, their gifts. We, we, we need that to be done, and we don't have that cover. We have the preaching cover. Exactly right. And to you know, to take that even further, there's a need that the people who are hurting have. 
One of those needs is to be fed spaghetti. Right. We need no. someone to do that. Right. You are on spaghetti detail. And I think the problem that we get into is we so often we feel like being the person who drops the theological bomb, who just says the super smart thing that blows this whole thing wide open. That's the MVP. No, Jed, I ask, I feel the need to ask, is that a thing that's ever happened in the history of humanity? Nope. Oh, well, keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. That is not it, dude. That's not it at all. But we've got that in our heads. And, you know, for some of us, if we're going to be honest about it, we're also envisioning telling our buddies about it. After the fact. You know, I went in there and they were all sick in their bed. And I was like, boom, boom, boom ministered y'all right do you ever think of it like that probably not mic drop (laughs) out and we've got what are we going to say about this on facebook and whatnot it's not easy to go on social media and say well i fed some spaghetti y'all and i did it good (laughs) i actually think you should go and say that on instagram i think it'd be great but you oddly can't say it arrogantly (laughs) it can it can only be i just what a joy it was for me to serve spaghetti. Yeah. It, it sort of can only be humble in a funny way. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. All this goes back to the bottom line when you're serving people is what they need. That's the bottom line. Not what would make you feel amazing. It's what helps them. That's the thing. You know, one of the weird distinctions that everyone on this podcast has is that when people are going through truly, truly awful stuff that they feel terribly embarrassed about, we're the people they come talk to about it. And the reason why we're the people who they come talk to about it is because you can tell me something insanely awful that is wrong on every level. And my response will be, okay, mm-hmm. yep. tell me more. Sure. What else you got? And it's weird that that response would be really rare. But I promise you, it's really, really rare. I bet in your church, the number of people that this a person who is sick can say, I want to die. I hate this. I hate my life. I hate my existence. I hate these tubes. I hate these machines. I hate this place. I want to die. I want God to take me home. I've had enough. The number of people in your church where this person can say that to them and their response be like, that makes sense. Heaven is better than here. That's the whole deal about heaven. Tell, tell me more about that. What, what else you got on that? I bet you can count the number of people who would respond that way on less than the fingers of one hand. Yep. That is, I'm not sure I can even call it a spiritual gift. That is a rare conversational capability. But it sounds like that's what this person needs. And again, Being a good servant is about supplying what people need, not what we would like for them to have. So all that's a long way to say, we think your heart is in the right place. We think your actions are pointing in the right direction. We think you're doing a great job. Keep on loving this person and let the Lord take care of the rest of it. Absolutely right. I think that is very important. Another thing that, and this doesn't get talked about very much about serving, is serving, especially in a hard situation like this, there's things you come to be hosting at the bridge that are meant to be fun. Hospital visits aren't fun. There's just no way to make that fun. Um, that needs to that doesn't need to be an emotionally satisfying experience for you, the person doing the serving. And it's it's unfair to put that on the person who's sick. It's unfair to put that on yourself to think we have to get to a place where I don't feel bad about this anymore. We talk a lot on the show about emotions aren't good or bad. So if you're visiting someone in the hospital, they're talking about how they just want all this to be over. 
you're not saying anything. Part of what maybe you feeling, I think, is just this feels like a bummer. And bummers don't seem very Christian. That that actually doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. What it means is that you need to have someone in your life that you can say, I just had this really bummery conversation with this person. And go back to the last question. They can, for uh, Glenn was saying for the beginning of this question, they can change the channel on you. You can cut up with them about it or be darkly humorous or however you process those things. If there's something missing from this whole situation, it's not what you're doing in the hospital room with your friend. That is spot on. I think the three of us here could sit down for three hours and we might with, you know, the 20, the 50 years of ministry experience between us come up with a little, I might do a little bit of this, a little more of that, but I don't think we'd change 85% of what you're doing here at all. It's as good as it can be done. What you need is to add something to take care of you. Yep. That could be, you go get a milkshake when you leave. That could be, you call up someone and go to a movie or whatever. But that's getting that's getting you back to even is you doing some extra things to take care of you. And we do that. No we do that doubt. with each other Absolutely. all the time. Yeah. No doubt. Our that is our entire we get the bridge taken care of and the next two hours on Tuesday are cutting up and you know, griping and all those things and no holds barred on what you're allowed to say or make fun yeah. of or all that. Because we need that space and we it, we don't try to create that space at the bridge because right. that's not about us. It's about, right. it's about the people there. And again, all I do want to make sure we close out by echoing what those, both of you guys are saying, which is you are doing great. You are doing yep. a world-class level job. If you found any of our favorite pastors who've been doing this for 50 years, who train people who are high up in nominations, they would say, this is exactly what you should be doing when you go to visit somebody in the hospital. So we want to make sure that gets said. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago, dot tumblr.com if you'd like to keep it anonymous Taylor, the song this week uh, jed mentioned our host team people there we recently had a wonderful event where we got together with some of those folks in chicago and hung out and had a great time and jed wrote a song just for that event just those people it's also in this month's bridge box called carry it on so we'll take out that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it let's say that podcast a polar vortex of wisdom blasting right up the tubes of the internet this is our prayer that they'll grow in his love and they'll know. This is our prayer, what we sow will take root, cause we know. We'll do that again. This is our prayer that they'll grow in his love and they'll know. This is our prayer, what we sow will take root. Cause we know He who began this work will He who began this work will Carry it on To completion Carry it on To completion Where that little seed Grows a mighty tree in the rich and fertile soil of welcoming. Oh, you've got it. Let's do it one more time now that you know how it goes. This is our prayer that they'll grow in his love 
and they'll know this is our prayer. What we sow will take root, cause we know he who began this work will, he who began this work will carry it on to completion. Soil of welcoming in the rich, in the rich and fertile soil of welcoming. Thanks, y'all. Welcome, Miss Tasha.